having shaped my career and made strong links through my time in the Young Farmers has really helped in securing high profile, inspiring and dynamic guests. And this next podcast episode is the epitome of what Young Farmers is all about. Join me as I chat with Welsh sheep and beef farmer Minair Howes, who is a friend of mine made through the Young Farmers, a mum agricultural communicator who's worked as a presenter on Fermio, the Welsh farming TV programme. Let's dive in. or should I say Shamai? Welcome to the Countryside Kitchen Meets, a food and farming podcast. I'm Millie Fife, your host. I'm a mum of two, farmer's wife, food producer and passionate about flying the flag for British food and farming. Today we're chatting to Welsh beef and sheep farmer Minair Howells. Then I've got some inspiration when it comes to mealtime preparation and some recipes to share, meaning you can juggle family life with the children and cook a tasty nutritious meal too. Okay, let me introduce you to my guest. Minair Harrells is a familiar face for those in the farming industry in Wales. Together with her husband, Gary, and their children, Seanid and David, they run Shadog, a beef and sheep farm in Carmarthenshire. Minair was brought up on a farm in Carmarthenshire and first joined the TV production Fermio, a weekly countryside and farming magazine series, as a researcher, becoming a presenter on the long-running S4C series, as well as Fermio, Minair presents the S4C coverage of the Royal Wow Show and the Winter Fair. Minair and I first met through the Young Farmers. She was representing Wales in Sweden during 2010 on the European Rally. Meanwhile, I was representing England and we had a blast. And so every time I've been to the Royal Wow Show since, I've made a point of catching up with her. And of course, social media keeps you up to date in the meantime. I've managed to grab her for this podcast after a pedigree sale on the farm and also a charity shearing competition. There's also been a, ra- a tractor rally too, I understand. So without further ado, let's talk to, to Minair. Hello, how are you? Hi, long time no see. <laughs> you are right. Yeah, less said about European rally, the best. Right? <laughs> so, what goes on tour stays on tour. That was a week to remember. Absolutely, that really was. And I mean, although that was 2010, it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. I mean, it's it's quite scary that that was 13 years ago. Yeah, very <laughs> scary. That means we're 13 years older by now as well. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I suppose we're a lot more sensible. We've all pretty much got married, had children. So for those for those listening, um, the European Rally is um basically like the version of um Young Farmers in England and Wales, where we all get get together with all the other European nations and we tour around different farms. We do uh, different competitions and events and basically just get to know more about other European young farmers organizations. And there is, there is a bit of kind of a pomp and ceremony and things like that. Um, uh, But there's also a good social side to it as well. And um, yeah, the uh, evening uh, recreation was uh, always something to look forward to. Um, and, uh, you know, sadly, we've never been able to kind of replicate that since because all of us are all over the place, aren't we? Yeah, and I think the social side of it, you can compare the closest thing I, 
I think I can compare it to is Freshers Week <laughs> in university. It was, it was mad. Everybody was on the same campus yeah. and everybody worked hard in the day and then played very hard in the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. So you've had quite a lot going on recently. As I mentioned, you've been doing shearing, you've got pedigree sheep and you've had a tractor rally. Um how do you fit it all in? <laughs> uh, we're, we're struggling at the moment, I'll tell you. We're very tired. Gary and me, we've got... Um, a problem is, because we've, we've had all these events on the, on the farm, uh, we've left a few jobs. Oh, we'll do it after the sale, after the sale. And now after the sale has come, oh, we just haven't got the energy to do it. But yeah, it's been fantastic. We've been very lucky of friends and family who've helped us. But basically, on uh, Friday night, we had a sale here to sell our um, yearling rams. So we had about 120 rams going through the sale, all hours then, mm -hmm. from Texels to Suffolk Cross Texels to Baltex Crosses and, and uh, a variety of breeds, Blueface. Yeah. And then because we'd done the sale, so it was in our shed, we had a proper ring for it, and then we had bales, straw bales yeah. around everybody to sit on we had the toilets the bath we had ice cream gelatos here a cafe kind of um, a van then for the food and car parking facilities so we thought well it's a waste just to do a sale so we've done it now for four years because we couldn't we lost our sale um the main sale we were selling our taps at mm -hmm. because of covid it was cancelled, so we had to make a, a quick decision to find a, a, a somewhere to sell our tips. And we decided to um, hold one at home. So since then, we've carried on. And uh, every time we've had a sale, we've had a concert. So yeah. just to raise money for charity, basically. And every year, we've raised money for different charities, from prostate cancer, uh, air ambulance, to um, Tear Dewey, which is like a mental health organization yeah. and then this year we were holding a concert to raise money for breast cancer and tear dowie again mm -hmm. and um we had fantastic singers we had young young little children like my daughter she decided she was going to sing this year so she was seven i think she was the youngest we had oh. on stage and then we had um a variety then of people singing and harpists and uh, comedians a bit of everything and then they were all sitting on the straw bales and just quite cool you know like the old-fashioned way of doing a concert oh, and yeah. um so that was done on Saturday night and then on Saturday morning we had a tractor run here so yeah it's been it's been <laughs> full-on but it's been brilliant and we wouldn't want it any other way yeah. it was just a waste you know to hold a, um, a sale here on farm with all the facilities and then not do something then for charity yeah, the, the day absolutely. After. and it just sounds like a mini version of like young people's village at the Royal Wales show or something yeah. or you've, you've, you've basically created um yeah your own festival on the farm as it were yeah. um and and so you must have raised a good amount for charity then yeah, so we're up to 10,000 at the moment, Amazing. but money is coming in and we've got a Just Giving page as well um, yeah. that's been set up. So, yeah, £10,000 is good because to think about it, if we hadn't have held it, it would have been 10,000 that possibly these charities wouldn't have had. So it's yeah. just a bonus. And it wasn't much extra work. It was just yeah. a quick clean up on the Saturday. Um, and that was good as well to give us a good boot, you know, to, to actually clean up. <laughs> Otherwise, we would have cleaned the shed until the cows were coming in, most probably. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it's been good. And we um, we did the same when we got married. We had a marquee when we got married and we thought, again, it was a waste not to do something. So we mm. did do it that e after the following evening of our um, wedding as well. So it's just something extra you can think about if you do hold something on farm, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's it. And it's all about the community spirit as well, isn't it? Because it's bringing people together. I mean, you and I both know as well that 
farming can be quite an isolating industry to be a part of it can be a very sociable one but you've got to create those opportunities and with the mental health side of things as well it's fantastic that you're raising money for those types of charities as well because it all sort of knits up quite nicely yeah because it's easy enough on farm just to get bogged down with everything mm. like wrong with you you're, you're dealing with sick animals or you're dealing with a death possibly on the farm you know you lose a lamb or you lose a calf or something and it always gets you down and mm. it's just so important then to escape off the farm talk to other farmers mm. maybe you've had a letter through the post and you're worried about it and then if you go to the mart or you go to somewhere and then you, you speak to other farmers and they tell you oh i had that letter as well mm. that's all you have to do is phone your advisor or whatever whatever and it's sorted mm. and then lambing time this year was a real challenge i don't know if you felt it the same but mm. the weather was awful wasn't it like March, mm. raining every day and we couldn't turn our um, lambs out mm. and it was really getting us down and yeah. I remember one day I had to go off uh, filming or the lambing and I, I went to it was in the mart actually and um, we just lost like three lambs to the weather that morning and it was, yeah. I was feeling bad about it because I was also leaving the farm yeah, um, yeah, to this, the yeah. Mm. and I got to the mart and somebody told me oh don't worry about that he said a neighbour of mine picked up 20 dead lambs that bad oh, morning and, mm. and it was bad you do don't you you mm. lose quite a few and then um, so straight away you felt oh my gosh we're not alone yeah and there's other people going through the same thing and it's not because what's something we've done wrong it's just down to nature and yeah and yeah there's nothing you, you can do about it no, so no immediately no. you feel good about not good but better. no 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 you're not on your own because uh, especially during lambing time you're you're kind of tired you're running yeah. on empty, you're working long hours, it's unsociable hours, and, you know, you're running, basically running your own maternity unit. <laughs> and, you know, you're, you're trying to also, you know, look after the children, go off farm yeah. and, you know, you're 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 doing something else as well as being on the farm as well. And there's all these other things and it just, you know, it just culminates sometimes, isn't it? But just sort of knowing that other people are in a similar situation, you know, it helps with the bigger picture or putting things into perspective. That actually, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't have done something to, to think, prevent that. I think as mothers as well, we do give ourselves hard time because we're worried mm. that we don't give our children enough time or um we're not in the house sitting them down, reading a book with them or putting them to bed early or making them a, a lovely supper. But mm. the reality of it though, I don't think you know everybody does that. No. We all expect life to be perfect, but it's not. Mm. And the experiences our children get, like yours, all mm. out on the farm, they learn so much. Yeah. They know how to deal with problems. They know how to look after other animals and mm. put other people and other animals before yourself. And I think mm. it's quite an important lesson, isn't it? Not to be selfish. Yeah. And they know what hard work is from day one. Yeah. So, and the thing is, they enjoy it because it's like an adventure for them every day. Like when, <laughs> yeah. when town children go to the park and run around in green fields, I think it's amazing. Well, yeah. our children do that 365 days a year. Yeah. And we've got, to we've got to remember that they're actually having a good time, although mm. we think that we're actually not good parents. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I to totally agree. And I mean, social media is terrible for that because we're always yeah. living our best life and we're putting all the nice pictures and things like that and actually the reality is like you said we're not always sitting down reading them a story or you know um doing that what what, what in our heads I suppose is that perfect parenting but actually like you say um they are living in such um a wonderful environment where actually 
they do have the confidence, they do have the knowledge, they know about the nature around them. And I mean, one of the things we've always been really keen on is ensuring that the school children come up at lambing time and see all about that and have that exposure. We don't do things like Open Farm Sunday because this, the farm that we're on, um, the location and the access and things isn't particularly great. Um, uh, but we support other people that are doing their Open Farm Sundays. But yeah, having the schools come down for um, a morning just to come and see what we're doing. And then it's funny, the kids came home with a letter from school to say that this term, the theme that they're learning in geography and science is on the farm and what is produced. So I was like, right, <laughs> here we go. So, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what, they, what they're going to come home with and um, and how we can help, really. So I think yeah. that's really important. So Because yeah. our kids, they, they did their last term with us. And- amazing um, so, uh Sean and David's uh, classmates there was well we had left we, did, we the teacher came up to us and asked if we were interested in in asking them to come over because uh, we've been doing a series on the farm and they've been watching it in school oh, so lovely. they asked us if it was if it, they we would be happy to get some of them over here so about 110 kids turned oh, wow. up on our yard and it was lovely you know it was great and the good thing about it, it's quite rural here, and it was lovely to know that a majority of the children, they'd all been on a farm or were living on a farm, and that mm. was really good. They really understood it. But then it's the other percentage you've got to help, isn't it, and encourage the people yeah. who've never been on a farm, never touched a lamb before. Yeah, and yeah. Both the different stories so yeah we re- we thoroughly enjoyed that it was a lot of work you know to get everything sorted before they came mm. but it was one of the best days we've had on the farm yeah. to see the smile on their faces when they turned up and the excitement and everything like, yeah. it was brilliant yeah oh, and we've oh. more of us as farmers need to be doing this yeah because if we don't advertise what we do or open the farm gate to people from the outside then you know there's no you can't expect them then to understand and know firsthand because you you can't beat that firsthand experience can Mm, you on the farm mm, mm, mm. no absolutely absolutely and you've got you've got a lot you're talking about your sales you've got a lot of pedigree sheep and you take them to the shows as well don't you You do a lot of showing and trying to get uh recognition I guess I suppose that yeah it's promoting when you when you're showing your animals you're getting recognition for the breed the good bloodlines that you're creating or rearing and then um, you're winning awards and, you know, competing against other people who are doing similar. Just tell me a little bit about the the Bowen sheep because they are like a, a Welsh mountain sheep, aren't they? They're little black with white noses. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Well, basically, when I was two years old, my father and mother gave me two Bowen ewes. Mm. And um, ever since then, I think when I was about nine, I started showing them it, before that in local shows. And then as I got older then, we ventured to the Royal Welsh. And um, now, w- once I got married, we just show at the Small uh, Holders Festival at, at Bilth, the Royal Welsh, and just one or two of our local shows. That's it, really. Because it's very, you know, it is important that we support the shows, but it's very time consuming as well. So mm. we've just put a, a, like, we'll just do our local ones and that's it mm. then. Mm. And it's a lot of fun and it's a good day out. And I think it is important yet again, it's just yeah. that top window, isn't it? And advertising what we do as farmers. Yeah. Like at the Royal Welsh, you'll have loads of different questions. Like, mm. is because they're black, mostly black with the white blaze. Mm. People will ask us, are they born white and then mm. turn black? Mm. And the questions you get are hilarious. Some then will call them goats because they've got horns. Yeah. 
So it is really important that we do take them to shows just for people to ask questions and yeah. have the chance then to see different breeds and, and, you know, just advertise what we're doing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I'm, always, I'm getting goosebumps just talking to you about it um, because going to the Royal Welsh and seeing like the pairs with the cattle and the groups of cattle when they go into the ring yeah. and they parade round. I mean, it's just a complete spectacle, isn't it? And it is like the pinnacle of the show calendar in Wales. But but as a kind of national show, it is incredible. And it's over four days. And I mean, there are other shows all across the country that are doing similar, perhaps on a slightly smaller scale. But it is, you know, over the summer, there is so many different events that are happening. And it is sort of, I'll put a little link into the show notes, actually, just with where you can find out more about all of the different shows and buy tickets. Because it is, it's a fun day out for the whole family, whether or not you just go in just to find out what, what you know, is great food hall and there's lots of shopping, there's lots of entertainment as well. There is literally something for everyone, isn't there? Yeah, and it bridges between town and country because then you can follow yeah. the story literally from like the the farm gate to the mouth isn't it because yeah. the farm gate to fork because you see the sheep and the cattle and, and pigs and, and all the variety of animals that we have and then you can taste all the good products in the in the food hall and it's um i think it's just a chance for people to as well understand and hopefully get the idea of how how hard farmers work to get yeah. the food produced because you don't just turn up on a, in a show and and not prepare the mm. cattle and the sheep have had to be prepared quite thoroughly for months before isn't it mm. and mm. it's mm. quite important to get that across to the public then isn't it and that and also the fact that we do love our animals because yeah. there's been so much bad press out there saying mm. that farmers and farmers do this and do that but that's not the truth because no. we do care about our livestock and we do put the livestock before ourselves. Mm. We'll feed them, but we'll feed ourselves. And yeah. Like, and yeah. also, it's, it's just when you see them then all dolled up at the shows where you can see obviously that they've had the best care possible <laughs> yeah they have more hair care products than I think that I ever put in my hair definitely <laughs> like usually when I'm at a show we've been it's been a stressful morning getting kids and everybody ready most most of the time the sheep look much better than what I look like I look as if I've been dragged through the hedge backwards you know <laughs> so definitely... I, don't, I don't believe you for a second oh yes <laughs> We've already sort of touched on it. We're both working mums, but have you got any um, secrets for success, you know, trying to strike that work-life balance? I think we're all just trying to wing it. We're trying to win at life, but, oh, it's just, it is such a challenge, isn't it? Have you got any sort of strategies that you have? Not really. Winging it is <laughs> yeah. the right word. The only thing I will say, though, not to give yourself a hard time. That's the mm. most important thing. Because mm. people do, don't we all do it? Like, oh, look at those kids. They're all this, that, and the other. Like, a friend of mine was saying that the kids were in bed every night at seven. And <sighs> that's when I was, uh, like, opening out to uh, to enjoy, you know what I mean? So just don't compare yourself yeah. to anybody. Just do what suits you and, mm. and whatever that is. Stick to it. Yeah. As long as the children do get enough hours sleep, they look mm. healthy, they do eat. Don't don't get over worried about it and worked out about I worked up about it because um lambing uh, we were calving a cow one night and um me and Gary got up and we went down and it turned out to be a C section mm. so we were out there for hours halfway through it was about two o'clock in the morning mm. 
my son walked up the yard on his own, dressed, put his wellies on, there was a coat and on top of his pyjamas, and it was quite cold that night. And, uh, oh, we didn't know what to say when we saw him walking up oh. to the cow shed. And we are like, David, back, you've got to go back to bed. You've got school in the morning. You can't yeah. come out now. If you're out farming, man, I'm out farming. <laughs> Good lad. Oh, bless him. So, so how can you stop yeah. that? You can't. Because, yeah. you know, if they want to do it, then... Within reason. Yeah, he was not. it's not like he's doing that every night, is it? You know? No. Um, and he probably learned so much because, you know, the procedure that the vet has to go through as well. And, I mean, it, it's, uh, you know, quite a procedure to sort of keep the cow in a position so that they can obviously do basically what you would do in a hospital, let's be honest, yes, yes, you know? Yes. And you've got to be really strong to kind of the angle that they have to try and drag the calf out of. I mean, yes. it's, you know, oh, yeah. But again, that's sort of science, it's biology, isn't it? Yeah. And, it and, and and then it's that kind of nurturing side of things as well. And he probably went to school the next day and told all his friends, and I bet they all wanted to come and see the cow and this new calf. And Yeah, yeah. yeah. leaving the calf. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what breed of cattle have you got? What do you keep? We've got a bit of everything, yeah, but mostly yeah. Um, they're limb cross uh, blues. So yeah. we've got a few systems going on, yeah. We've got a few settlers of our own, which are mixed. Yeah. Uh, we've got a few pedigree limbs uh, under the shadow herd, yeah. and then we'll buy in heifers or bull or breed them ourselves, mm. and then we'll bull them, we'll carve them down, and we'll sell them then as cows and calves. That's our yeah. more yeah. that's our main enterprise. Yeah. So we'll be calving like February time, same time as lambing, and then hopefully selling them in May. Yeah. And um, so we, we we aim to do about um, 50, 55 heifers May time and then about 12 to 15 then December time. Well, to yeah. sell for December. And then we've just ventured in two years ago to Aberdeen Angus's. Okay. So something totally different. Yeah, like native blues, breed. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Because the blues and limbs, as you know, are quite mm. shapey and quite hard work. Like you've got to be on top of them, especially calving time. Mm. And then the Angus's are totally opposite. They're mm. no work whatsoever to them and they fatten really easy. Yeah. So it's just because of cost of production going so high at the moment, we just wanted to try something different and hope hopefully would bring our costs down. Yeah. And um wow, we can't come over how easy they are. People ask us, oh, we we don't hear much about the Aberdeen Angus's, like on social media mm. or whatever, when we talk to people. Well, we the answer we give every time is, well, there's not much to say about them because they're so mm. easy. Go into the field, we'll check them. They're all good. You know, there's not much problems to them. So we just drive off. You yeah. wouldn't stay in the field watching and looking at them too much because they're not great. Well, I can't say they're not great to look at, but then our eyes are trained to look at limbs and blues. You know, the yeah, 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 exactly. And they're all, you know, they're, yeah. they're black, big black cattle, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are pretty. They yeah, are, but yeah. not what we're used to. And, yeah. um, and then the calving time, they just carve themselves quite mm. easily. Mm. Oh, no problem. I think we pulled one this year because it was coming backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's nice, nice. And do you, do you have an issue with TB in your area? Is it is it a worry for you? Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the big one, I think, here in Wales. It's uh, yeah. it's a massive worry. And uh, you yeah. talk to DPJ Foundation, the yeah. Mental Health, and RABI, and they'll all tell you it's one of the main issues that mm. farmers have. Either worried um, that they've got it, or some will worry that they will have it. Yeah. I guess um, if we had TB on our farm, it would cripple our business overnight. Yeah. Yeah. With the heifer job, we're 
self-reliant and passing the TB test so we can sell them on in May. Yeah. And like last year, they averaged over 4,100 and we sold, yeah. um, I think, 40-something heifers. Yeah. Well, if you work that out, it would have been a massive, massive gap in our income yeah, yeah, yeah. if yeah. we didn't pass our TB test to sell them on. Yeah. And also, um, it would also affect the fact that we'd also bought the next 50 ready. Yeah. So it would have been more cows on the farm. It would have been it would have been had a huge uh, detrimental effect on, yeah. on our business. Yeah. Not good for our mental health either. No. Because we're always worried, will we pass? We can't plan too much ahead. No, and we can't you can only sort of mitigate a little bit. I mean, are you kind of at the mercy of a, of something that you can't really control? And the the kind of financial impact is that obviously there's a compulsory kind of slaughter on anyone that is a reactor or um no it, if they are it's not that they're a reactor as if they actually have it that they have to be compulsory slaughtered isn't it but you only get such an amount per head it's not actually like you said like you're averaging uh, 4100 in market they you know you you kind of um uh, compensation as it were is only per head. So you've been working really hard to get that pedigree, that name, that kind of working to to kind of build up your reputation. But actually, you're just getting an X amount. And so it doesn't matter if, if that cattle is worth, you know, I mean, you see in the market reports, bulls going for like silly, silly, silly money. But you you would, you know, if, if it had to be slaughtered, A, you're losing the breeding value of that beast, but also you're not going to get that, uh, the the true value of what that pedigree animal is worth. Yeah, and the, the big one as well is the fact that we can't trade no more until mm, we get to, yeah. um, to and nearly half a year would go. So mm. that's that's a big one, really. It's like as Cash if you yeah. were being um, employed by somebody and they take your wages for six months away from you how would you live but I think it's really important to to actually share that because actually it's something that both you and I've got experience of and mm. um it's something that I suppose we both carry quite a lot and also see so many other people as well um yeah. that, that have those worries I mean we are both communicators not only within the agricultural scene but to the wider community and we have young farmers to thank for that because of our public speaking and the competitions and things like that I mean you know I think we both agree that actually from getting involved with, at such a young age uh young farmers has really helped to shape our careers would you agree yeah definitely I can't say enough about how much the YFC has influenced my life and certainly I wouldn't be presenting today if it wasn't for young farmers mm-hmm. I'm totally indebted to the young farmers and um, it was one of the First things I wanted to do, really, um, when I arrived, when I reached 10 years old, because that was the minimum age you could mm-hmm. join the white movement. And once I turned 10, I was just so excited that now I could officially join the <laughs> I've heard so much about it and I wanted to be part of it. Yeah. And it's just the whole experience, isn't it? If you want to compete, you can compete really hard, like in all sorts of competitions. I remember I did sheep shearing, stock judging, pantomime, mm. singing, um, tug of war, all these flower ranging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can try whatever you want, can't you? But yeah. if you don't want to, to compete, you can go traveling like we did. Yeah. You can also do things like... Um, there's loads of socials you can be part of yeah and organizing and, events as well wasn't it like you know you were talking about earlier about your your fundraising event I'm mm-hmm. sure you probably got involved with 
uh, young farmers fundraisers for your local community. Yeah, and it, it helps you then. When you when we were doing this event on the farm, it took me back to Young Farmers Days and you yeah. knew like what you needed to organise because you'd done it before when you were younger. Yeah. And when you do Young Farmers, there's always that older um, club leader or the more experienced members who can guide you through it. Mm. So you learn really from others and watching others doing it. And yeah. also, I remember competing in things like flower arranging and I yeah. hated it. I was <laughs> And that's it then. You can just park it there and forget about it. Yeah. But then I remember competing in Stockshire Gin. And although I remember my first competition, I was a bit too confident, like being a farmer's daughter. And I was quite hands-on on the farm. And I was thinking, oh, Stockshire Gin, that's going to be easier walk in the park. You know? <laughs> and uh, after my first competition, I came last. Mm. I was so gutted. And I needed <laughs> threw my coat off and I thought right I'm never wearing that white coat ever again yeah but then yeah you know the club leader or the older member in the wife's here I remember telling me oh don't worry now get back on it now go mm. compete at the competition you'll be fine and the next time I competed in Stockton and I won it so yeah. it shows doesn't it never give up give yeah. it a go I never know where it'll take you Definitely. but with your family you have that opportunity to just try things new things that you, mm. you about but you learn different skills and I know a lot of people who have actually had a career out of what they learned in YFC like cookery or a flower arranging they've set up their own business they're doing yeah. floral and and they're doing really well so yeah it's it's such a valuable movement that is so so important in rural Wales yeah yeah, no, I, no, I t- totally agree. And I mean, you know, for me, public speaking and the sort of cookery side of things are definitely two of the things. But also, you know, just standing up and chairing a meeting or being a part of a business meeting, you know, it's th- those kind of life skills that I know growing up, I, I wouldn't have learned in ev- any other kind of environment, really, unless I went to and did a specific course at university. I mean, I ended up doing business and management. But actually, just being able to stand up in front of a room of people or do a vote of thanks or just like writing minutes. I don't know, all of those types of things. But then it's about, you know, introducing people and networking and kind of like working with businesses to get sponsorship or, you know, all of those types of life skills as well. It sort of all forms part of the fabric of of rural life. But then you can apply that in other areas, I suppose, of of life as well so um yeah I think both you and I basically on the same page here um young farmers has a lot to answer for <laughs> yeah and one of the first jobs you get is like either minute secretary or then you may, <laughs> might get on to like event secretary or what have you and yeah. then what you have to do is phone around people then asking if you can go on on a meeting to their place or what have you or get speakers in to talk to you and when you're like 11 12 years old it can be quite nerve-wracking picking up the form for the first mm. time hi it's, yeah. it's me from with yfc would you mind coming to talk to us for an evening or something and they're, they're valuable skills that you're forced to do when you're young and then it comes second yeah. then doesn't it yeah yeah exactly because i wonder what it's like uh now because obviously with social media so many people are just so used to just typing something on whatsapp or a you know, yeah. dm or something but actually picking up the phone and speaking to someone yeah. i mean whoa that's sort of a little bit alien isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah but 
super important though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, how how can people find out more information about you? Are you on social media? Is there somewhere where people can kind of find out more? Because obviously Fermio is a Welsh TV programme. So can we, can we see that online or how, how can people find it? Yeah, so uh, basically uh, Fermio is on SOC, but you can see it on BBC iPlayer. So if you mm-hmm. just type in Fermio, double F-E-R-M-I-O into that, it should come up. And also then um, there's, um, well, if you are in Wales, you can you can click go on to click, which is um, the SOC website. Um, but otherwise, it's Channel 134 on Sky. I think that's an adoption. Yeah. So if you want to watch it when it goes out, and that's then at, ha- at nine o'clock on a Monday night on S4C. But I think it's Channel 134 then on Sky. Yeah. Then I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. But Instagram is the one that I use mostly now. I've gone I've gone a bit hooked on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Instagram is quite good, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. yeah, for doing video and just nice photos um, and just documenting farm life in general. That's what I kind yeah. of use it for. But I'll um I'll put your links in the show notes as well so that people can find you and follow you. Um, and um, also the, I suppose the other thing I do on on Instagram is obviously share recipes and things. So is there any um any recipes? Do you enjoy cooking? Is that something that you or is it more like quick quick chef something in the oven off we go? Yeah. Mm. Um, I do like cooking, but at the moment I don't get enough time no. to, and it's quite—I don't know—it it does get you down sometimes. You mm. think, oh, oh, whatever, pizza <laughs> or chicken burgers from the freezer. Mm. So what I do like doing is um, we do our own beef here, and we try and do our own pork and lamb as well, yeah. and I do a lot of mint. So I like a good lasagna. So what yeah. I do then is I'll fry some mints and do a bolognese for for, mm. for the. First evening I'll do it in bulk then so mm. I've got a good saucepan massive saucepan yeah and I'll use the rest then as a pie or as a lasagna yeah. so basically just buy my puff pastry and this it's, it's really quick you can do it in seconds then can't you it's yeah. you, you've done the hard work once you've done the bolognese it's just yeah. putting into the pie and away to go yeah and yeah. then lasagna is quite similar isn't it just put in the um the pasta sheets and the yeah. cheese I buy my cheese sauce yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. I, yeah. you know, and it's it's not, you know, I think you've got your good quality product there in in your decent yeah. beef mints, you know, and I love my ready roll pastry, um, as yeah. well. I'm a big fan of that, and I mean, it is it's it's sort of scratch cooking, um, with a few cheats, if you know what I mean, yes. because um, yes. because you know, we're not we're not superheroes, well, we try to be superheroes because we're always spinning the plates and doing everything, <laughs> but actually, yeah, just trying to kind of give ourselves a break, like we said earlier. Yeah, and if you do it in bulk, then you can freeze it and it's there. Well, silage time and shearing time, we're quite traditional here. So the shearers come in to have food and the people come in to have food. And it's nine to ten times. It's either a joint of beef, which is, which is, people say, oh, a joint of beef is expensive and it's time consuming. But it isn't really because you can put it in to cook slowly throughout the day Mm. and it's there. And and you can do curries or you can do sandwiches um, after with it. So, yeah. That's my tools. If if when people come over, it's usually like a, a beef, a joint of beef or pork or lasagna because there's yeah. always a lasagna in the, in the in the oven, so in the freezer. Yeah. So if something does come up uh, here for a visit so on a hop, I just can go into the freezer then and, and bring it out. Yeah. So yeah. that's the good thing about cooking bulk, isn't it? Yeah. Oh god, yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's the thing. And then you know you get home, you're like, oh god, I'm so tired. What have we got? And there's always something in the freezer. And there's no shame as well, you know, I'm a fan of, you know, 
turkey dinosaurs and scampi and that sort of stuff as well because you know I mean, we're not eating it every night and I think that's the thing it's just kind of like just a, a good balance isn't it and um, yeah. I think as working parents it's very hard to kind of think oh yeah I'm going to scratch cook every night but um, no. actually if we can kind of just in you know and in some like your bolognese for example you can chop up so many fine vegetables and hide them from the kids as well that they're actually getting yeah. a lot of goodness yeah but they don't realize it um yeah bit garlic bread and some cheese and stuff like that as well so um and also they get hot dinners at school so I'm you know in the week it's not it's just the weekend I think is the bit where it's like really a, a challenge because sometimes you know just giving them beans on toast or cheese on toast when they come in is absolutely yeah. fine you yeah. know <laughs> um and winter time I'm a big fan of doing like your stew and stuff as well because mm-hmm. then if you come in in at different times at least you can do a quick scoop with a jacket potato or something and then mm-hmm you know Andrew will come in later on and then I'll feed him you know and he's still got a warm meal as well it's not like he's I've had to cook lots of meals over different times and what have you so you've got to you've got to yeah just be kind butternut squash and sweet potatoes really nice and stews just gives Mm. that doesn't it yeah definitely if if, uh, anybody's special is coming over for tea and and you want to do a quick pudding my quick pudding is is quite good um just the biscuit base basically a banoffee pie in it yeah biscuit biscuit base you can buy your caramel from any supermarket yeah and then you add bananas and cream on top and that always goes down a treat and it's really really easy so you know when your parents-in-law come over and a surprise visit and you think oh my god what do I cook now isn't it it's just I do a quick banoffee pie and like oh you spent hours on this yeah 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 yeah, no absolutely (laughs) and you didn't even have to bake it you know it's just sort of assembling in it really isn't it yeah yeah so my banoffee pie quite regular too sounds good well in that vein um i have got a few ideas for things that everybody can try at home i'm a huge fan of a showstopper pudding uh and when i have people around um i like to entertain and the kids also have a sweet tooth as well as i mentioned earlier i learned to cook and bake a variety of things during my young farmer's days um and I've just upped my game because I've just been to the Leafs Cookery School in London for a couple of days to do a food styling course and yeah yeah they gave me the most amazing no-bake cheesecake recipe it's an Oreo cheesecake it's really simple but actually you can really go to town with the decoration and actually I was thinking that it'd be really good for Halloween because the Oreo base is dark and then obviously the filling is a really light creamy um texture so you could put some like boggly eyes or you can you know have some really good fun with some spiders and what things but um Get a packet of Oreos and crush them up. Mix it with some melted butter. I'm not only like, well, grease the the tin, but then when you put the biscuits, bring it up the sides as well. And it's a really, really, really thin base, but bring it up the sides as well. And then leave it in the fridge to set. And then you mix in your cream, your mascarpone icing sugar. So it's really, really thick and a little bit of vanilla essence. And then put that in the middle, let it set and then decorate it. And then when it's all set, you can get it out and then yeah, put all your bits, icings and stuff on it. And it is really amazing show stopping 
cheesecake with just a few ingredients but the one thing I would say or the one thing we did at the cookery school was we had a blowtorch to get it out of the tin um so I don't know how I'm going to replicate that at home and perhaps have to go in the, <laughs> in the tool shed or something or <laughs> perhaps just use the steam of the of a kettle or something but uh it worked it worked really really well um and uh yeah I'm I'm really really impressed so I've got to try and replicate that at home without all of the fancy um equipment we had but uh yeah that I was love definitely... Oreos they're lush aren't they oh yeah they're re- yeah I couldn't it was just yeah it was a dream to go there for a couple of days actually and I've come away with so many ideas so you'll probably see on my social media some content uh hopefully upping my game at some point but and then in season uh right now um October I know you mentioned about butternut squash and me too I absolutely love it um I grow so many pumpkins and squashes mainly for the kids I used to be a really big fan of going yeah when you have your pumpkin hollow it out you know make it into soup but it actually tastes pretty gross (laughs) so I normally give the innards to the chickens or the pigs let's be honest butternut squash yeah absolute hero ingredient and I also grow like Queensland blue and crown print squashes in my garden as well and the flesh of that it's like bright orange in the middle but the skin of the that squash is like a really dark green so the contrast is really good so I'm hoping this year to do a bit of food styling myself with some of those and see um what what happens there but you can also make squash into chips as well I often do that cut them into little wedges sprinkle of sea salt olive oil or rapeseed oil few chili flakes um put it in the oven like you would like homemade wedges chips and it's just a little bit of a different alternative to to, to your homemade chips so how does that sound that sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. Please send me the audio. <laughs> I will. I'm going to be putting the recipe in the show notes as well. God, I've got a lot to remember now, haven't I? Um, <laughs> the to-do list is getting bigger and longer. I know. I know. Man, a lot. That sounds delicious. And what a good course to go on, isn't yeah. it? It's just, it refreshes you and just makes you like more fueled really to go and do it, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, I've been doing so much on social media for a little while and I was like, right, how I need to really up my game. And I mean, I don't want, I want to sort of remain, um, you know, keep my integrity and keep my kind of like homeliness t- side yeah. to my cookery so that other people can replicate it. But similarly, you know, when people look in magazines or when they're looking on adverts and things like that, it's all like, how how do you present things better, basically? So yeah. it was a little bit cookery, but it's more about like the presentation side of things. So for me, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm still sort of, reflecting back on it actually but I keep going on Amazon and buying all these like little bits and I bought some tweezers to put all the little bits on and um oh the just wow these little, yeah, cool. yeah it's, it was really cool so yeah but I mean in it the, the the girls who were teaching us were basically like yeah our families always have cold food because by the time we debated it and made it look lovely I mean obviously they're generally the the ladies that that, that ran the course they you know work in food styling so they get to go to a food shoot you know for um an advert a tv campaign something like that so they're like absolutely you know that nobody really eats that actual food um because there's that many like people poking and prodding it and that but then obviously they have to go at home as well to keep practicing and of course their family is so hungry <laughs> because wow. they can't, you know so yeah no it's good it's good but um anyway I better let you go thank you so much I've absolutely enjoyed 
this podcast. It's been so lovely to find out a little bit more about your world. Um, for those listening at home, don't forget to tune in to the Countryside Kitchen Meets podcast, which airs on the first of every month. There might be a bonus episode at Christmas as well. I'm looking at doing Brussels sprouts. I've got a Brussels sprout farmer lined up. So you watch oh, your wow. space. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm just trying to get a variety of all the different um, uh, farmers and food producers in, in the UK because I think there's so many things that we grow in this country and everyone, you know, we just want to bring it to the masses, really. Yeah, because literally, lately, we did, um, I did a BBC programme, like the Food Fest, and uh, it was going around all the nations, and then it went out on BBC One, and oh my gosh, I totally loved it, because that's yeah. what it was, is me going, not only me, then Sean Fletcher was on it, and yeah. uh, Uncle Turner, there's a few of us, and um, we were going around different places, tasting different food, and then literally, oh. went from step one to the plate, yeah. and collecting cockles and gawd beet who oh. followed joe's ice cream that story yeah. and oh my gosh it was amazing yeah. and we did cheese factory as well and literally oh. we'd cow in the morning yeah. and eat cheese in the afternoon i was like yeah. that's what it's all about isn't yeah, it yeah oh yeah yeah i think you and i've got the dream jobs haven't we <laughs> <laughs> Not a job. i always say the presenting is my holiday that's yeah, when yeah, i have yeah. time for myself definitely definitely well thank you so much it's been lovely to catch up and um excellent well if you could tune in again next time on the podcast you'll be able to find it on all major podcast streaming platforms so we'll see you again soon take care bye